Turn please to Romans the fourth chapter, and then also we'll be looking briefly at 2 Thessalonians 1. We began some uh, weeks ago on a series we're calling Exceeding Growing Faith. We've seen that faith can be, concerning what area you're talking about, people can have no faith in that area. Or they can have little faith. Or they can have great faith. And does it make any difference if we have faith in this life? Oh my. Faith is the only way to please God. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. That means anything in this world. You can overcome it with faith. Say it out loud. I can beat it with my faith. No matter what it is, if it's a physical attack, if it's an attack on your marriage, your family, whatever it might be, you can overcome by your faith and by the greater one inside. And one of the reasons that we should get together like this on a regular basis, and also that we should read our chapters on a regular basis, that kind of thing, is that our spirit is fed and is built up, and you don't want to wait until you get hit to try to build yourself up. You can be playing catch up. It can be tough and rough. But if we'll follow him, he'll have us ready. He'll be giving us the things that we need prior and ahead of time. I know sometimes you, I've seen this in ministries, our own and other folks, churches, that somebody, you know, they're a believer, but they rarely go to church they rarely read the word. They rarely pray. And everything seems like it's going along pretty good. But then there's a problem. There's an attack. There's an issue. And so then they'll, they'll come back in to the church. Or maybe they want counseling and prayer. And they want in an hour session of counseling or prayer, whatever, what they should have been getting right. Sunday and Wednesday. Come on, are y'all with me? And special meetings for the last two years. It just doesn't work that way. But the Lord is merciful. I said he's merciful. If you'll repent and ask him for help. He'll help you get through it. It'll be a lot rougher on you. Than if you'd have been walking with him. And getting built up. And staying built up. But he'll help you. You can make it through. Amen. But then let's, get, let's be smarter for next time. Right? <laughs> Because the, we're not ignorant of the enemy's devices, and, and if we'll follow him, you won't even know why your pastors or your ministers are preaching on the things that they are, and it, something keeps coming up to you in your personal time in the Word and in, in faith, but then something comes up and you go, oh, this is why the Lord's been talking to me about this for the past six months, and you're ready. You already know the answer. You already got strength in you, and you will overcome quickly. Thank you, Lord. In uh, Romans 4 and 16, Romans 4, 16, it said, Therefore it's of faith that it might be by grace, to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but that also which is the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. We, we have Faith in our spiritual DNA. It should be a natural environment for us. I won't read this whole passage. It's all good, of course. But verse 19, it says that Abraham, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he's about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. Now you notice it it specifies he wasn't weak in faith, but he was strong in faith. And then it tells you what he didn't consider, what he didn't look at, what he didn't think about. Letting us know, giving us insight. What if every day when he got up, the only thing he looked and thought about and talked about was how old he was? And how old Sarah was. And how when she was a young woman, she couldn't conceive. There's no way he could have been strong in faith. 
doing that. He had to consider, at this point, the promise of God. He had to consider what the Lord said and remind himself, God said it. He's big enough to do it. If God said it, he can surely do it. So he accepted a name change, right? The Bible tells us what he considered, what he didn't consider, and not considering the natural, his body and Sarah's body, and considering what God told him, he was able to come out from being weak in faith and became strong in faith, giving glory to God, hallelujah, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. What's he considering? What he promised instead of his body. We got to consider that he took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. Not what the report says. Not how we feel. We got to consider that I've given and it's given to me good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I've given and uh, God supplies all my needs. I've given, I've sown. I'm, I'm a tither and the devourer's rebuked. Instead of how much I need, where's it going to come from, how bad it is. You can't consider both or you will stagger or waver. And remember what James talked about wavering. Don't think you'll receive. Doesn't work that way. So uh, he wasn't weak in faith. He was strong in faith. Second Thessalonians 1 and 3, he said, we're bound to thank God Always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you toward each other abounds. The Young's Literal says, because increase greatly does your faith. God's Word says, translation says, your faith is showing remarkable growth. Our faith is not static. Every day we're either feeding it or we're starving it. We're either feeding fear or we're feeding faith. We're feeding spiritual rest and peace or we're feeding worry and anxiety about what we're looking at, what we're listening to, thinking about, talking. Well, if faith is fed and exercised, it grows. And if your faith grows, we read uh, Brother George uh, Miller from the uh, back in the 1800s who believed God for those orphanages and, and those kind of things. He said when he first started believing God, uh, you know, it took all the faith he had to believe for 10 pounds. But then after all those years, decades of believing God for those orphanages, just as easy for him to believe for a million pounds. As it was, well, what happened? His faith was fed and exercised for those 40 years, whatever it was. And now it's just as easy for him to believe for this big thing as it used to be to believe for that little thing. Well, that's available to every one of us. What used to seem impossible can seem after a period of time easy for God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So we've studied passages that talked about no faith. And then we've studied passages that talked about little faith. You ready to go on? Let's look at some more. In Matthew 6, if you'd go there again, please. Matthew 6. We saw where he is telling the disciples, of course, we're his disciples too, about not worrying and not taking thought and not taking care. And he referred to being of little faith if you worried about these things. Lack of faith can be measured by the presence of worry and fear. Ever how much worry and fear you got, that's lack of faith. More faith pushes the fear out. In the sixth chapter, and we'll begin in verse 22, I believe it is. He said, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, Luke's account of this says, if your eye is simple, simple, 
So both words are used if your eye is single, if your eye is simple. And that's really saying the same thing. If it's single, it's not a bunch of stuff and complicated. Single. Thank you, Lord. Some really interesting things here this morning. I'm trying not to jump to it. Got to get to it the right way. If your eye is single or simple, your whole body will be full of light. And if your eye is evil, it's not simple, it's not single, your whole body will be full of darkness. You know, God always makes it simple. Always. Because he knows even as simple as it can be. Some folks do mess it up. (laughs) But what does the enemy do? He tries to complicate it. In the very beginning, he told Adam and Eve, of all the trees in the garden, you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you do not eat it. As if you do, in the day you do, you'll die. So here comes the enemy. What does he try to do? Oh, you won't, you won't really die. Basically, what's he saying? It's not that simple. See, the thing is... <laughs> Have you ever heard this? That's why I know why you're laughing. You've heard this before. <laughs> it's not that simple. Actually, it is. Corinthians talks about us not being removed from the simplicity that is in Christ. The enemy will endeavor to get you away from the simplicity and get you to thinking with him, reasoning, with him, questioning, doubting, and it can start with just a seed. He said, no, you won't really die. Well, they didn't know what dying was anyway. He said, because God knows when you eat this, you'll be like him. And so he's implying that God has ulterior motives. In keeping them away from this tree. That it actually would make them godlike. They already are. What he's trying to get them to do would take them away from being godlike, cause them to fall, where some would eventually become live like almost animals. Man hasn't evolved to the place he is now. Man devolved. <laughs> devolved from being able to function and commune with God on his level to where people are now. Not an improvement. But he's telling them, no, there's no, it's not that simple. It was that simple. Stay away from the tree. <laughs> right? Stay away from the tree. But see, he fed it to them. He brought lies and thoughts. And the thing is, the devil is a master at this. Don't think. You can outthink him. If you say, well, I'm going to have to think about that. He goes, exactly. My feelings, exactly. Let's think about it. No, there's a lot of things you don't need to think about. Your sins are forgiven. You don't need to think about that. By stripes you were healed. Yeah, but. No yeah, buts. I'm healed by stripes. Yeah, but it's not that simple. It is that simple. It's just that simple. Unless we allow the enemy through his craft, through his subtlety, his deceptive devices, remove us from the simplicity that is in Christ. Look at your neighbor. Help him out with this. Say, keep it simple. (laughs) Keep it simple. What are we talking about? God said it. That's how it is. Let's rejoice.
Yeah, but no, no, get on out of here with your yeah, but. Get, get, no. It's simple. And if you keep it simple, looking at the right thing, light comes into you. And you stay enlightened. But if you get to looking over here, looking over there, yeah, but what about, yeah, what if, it ain't that simple, darkness. You're looking away from the light. And when you look away from the light, the light ceases to flow in. And now dark, in dark, we're talking about spiritual darkness, spiritual light. In darkness, there's confusion. And then it gets more and more complicated. And you get more and more frustrated. Because you didn't keep it simple. <laughs> yeah, but what about all these other religions and all these other people? I mean, you know, billions of people can't be wrong. Actually, that's usually how it is. Yes, billions of people can be wrong and are rebelling against God all over this planet. Keep it simple. Jesus is the only way. The only truth and the light. He's it. There's no other way to the Father except by Him. There's salvation in no other name. No other. Y'all are just simple minded. And saved. You need to join us. People actually, you can see pride in it that people like to, they like to imagine themselves, I'm a well-read individual. I, I'm able to ponder all the different aspects of, you're a confused individual. That's what you are. Don't know what you believe. I know a friend of mine some years ago, while I was going to Ramah, he was going to a university and getting his doctorate in theology. And I wasn't. I said, well, what about this particular thing? He said, well, he said, Dr. So-and-so, in his exposition on such and such, he said this and he said that. And, and, and he said, but also other Dr. So-and-so, he says this. And, and uh, his position is this, but also third Dr. So-and-so says, and he went through about five Dr. So-and-sos. And I said, well, um, what do you believe? He looked puzzled. He said, well, I see merit in Dr. So-and-so's position, but I also see merit in second. He went through all five of them again. I said, well, okay, what do you believe? He looked, looked at me dumbfounded. And, and, and I thought, I didn't say it out loud, but I thought, I hope you don't have to act on this anytime soon. Because you don't know what you believe. And you're not ready. And just because you've got a head full of knowledge... Doesn't mean you got any faith in your heart. And this is a trick of the enemy. Trying to be all inclusive. Of every thought and every belief. It will destroy you. You won't have what you need. When you need it. Because you're bunching up lies and deception. With the truth. If it's even in there. You got to hold on to the truth. And get away from the rest of that stuff. Right? Single. Simple. Then he talks about take no thought, take no thought, take no thought. He said, verse 30, if God will clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith. Well, what made them, that he's talking to the disciples, what made them of little faith? What was preventing them from moving past little faith and having great faith. He put his finger on it. Worry. Fear. He kept, this phrase keeps appearing. Take no thought. Take no thought. Take no thought. This is what keeps you in the little faith category. Instead of great faith. It's continually looking at the wrong thing. Which will cause you to worry. And to fear. Can you see this, friends? Well, go with me now to another example that ties right in with this. To uh, Matthew 16 and verse 5. 16.5 says, When the disciples were come to the other side, 
They had forgotten to take bread. Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. They reasoned among themselves saying, it's because we didn't get any bread. (laughs) Peter, I told you, we should have got some bread. (laughs) Matthew, James, who was going to get, I thought you was going to get some bread. No. (laughs) So now they are disturbed. They're, you know, we didn't get the bread, upset, thinking he's upset because we didn't get the bread. And verse 8, when Jesus perceived it, he had to have a word of knowledge just to work with these guys. (laughs) He perceived it. And what does he say? The Greek here is literally a designation. Little faiths. Little faiths? What are you reasoning among yourselves because you didn't bring any bread? He's on channel 3 and they're on channel 11. <laughs> he was talking about a great spiritual truth. And they're talking about bread. Literal loaves of bread. He wasn't talking about bread. He didn't say anything about bread. He's talked about leaven. He didn't say anything about who was going to bring the bread. Where is it at? Why didn't you bring? Nothing about that. But that's what they heard. The more the fear, the worse you hear. The Lord gave me that phrase last night. The more the fear, the worse you hear. Fear prevents you from hearing what they said. Other things will have similar effect. But uh, this is not just an isolated thought. This is the word of God. Hold your place right here. You're right there by it. Go back to Matthew 13. You're in the 16th chapter. The Lord's helping us this morning. The more the fear, the more you fear, the worse you hear. I didn't just say the less you hear. Your hearing's bad. They they said one thing, you heard something else. And this causes problems. Matthew 13, 18, Jesus was teaching what we call the parable of the sower. He said, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and what? Doesn't understand it. Understands it not. What can happen? Then the wicked one can come immediately and catch away, he's a thief, steal what was sown in his heart. Why would he care? Because the incorruptible seed of the word of God is one of the most amazing things there is in the universe. It gets in you and whatever it is, if it's a seed of healing word, it produces a harvest of healing. If it's a seed of righteousness, a seed of prosperity, whatever it is. And so the enemy knows he can't keep that seed from producing. But if he can keep it from getting in you, then it's not going to change anything. And the way he can keep it from getting in you is if you don't understand it. Even though you heard it, if you don't understand it, it's like seed that falls on top of the ground. It never got in. And if it never got in, because things come into our spirit through our mind. Understanding and acceptance And uh, verse 20, he that received seed in the stony places, he heard the word, received it with joy. Keep going. And uh, 
this guy actually did understand it. He did receive it. But because things were going that were contrary to it, he just lasted a little while. When tribulation and persecution arose because of the word, by and by he is offended. How many know you'll have to hold on to what the Lord gives you in these days? It'll be tried. It'll be tested. I believe I received my healing. Well, it may not look like it for a little while. Right? I believe I received more than enough to pay off all my bills. Well, it may not look like it. But even though there is things testing it and, and tribulation because of the word, persecution. There'll be people that'll go, you're nuts trying to say that and believe that. Try to talk you out of it and tell you how wrong you are. Hold on to that seed. Right? It's the enemy trying to get away from you. But notice in verse 22. He that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word. And the care of this world. Everybody say the care. The care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And he becomes unfruitful. The more the fear and anxiety and worry This actually chokes out the word in your life. It affects your understanding. It dumbs you down. It pulls a mist over your eyes. And you're you're going, huh, huh, I don't understand that. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. And a lot of times people use this expression when they say, I just don't understand They think that excuses them from all responsibility for anything because I don't understand. But it doesn't. Because the question is, why don't you understand? When the Lord made it so simple that any three-year-old could get it. Why don't you understand? Well, fear, believing lies, thinking wrong, anxiety, worries will prevent you and me, if we let it, from uh, understanding. The disciples' reaction, probably what happened, is the Spirit of God dealt with them to take some bread. (laughs) Or the Lord had already told them at some time, always on these trips like this, (laughs) pack some extra bread, right? Right? And they ignored it and didn't do it. I'm, I'm just saying this because this is how this works. Then if you don't do what you know you should do, you've opened the door to condemnation. And condemnation involves fear. Something's going to happen. Going to get caught. Not going to have enough. Going to run out. Well, that fear messes with your hearing. So then something can be said and and you'll, because you got your mind so strong on that, you'll just say, yeah, I knew it. I knew it. It's upset because we didn't get the bread. He ain't talking about bread. He's not talking about that at all. (laughs) Care, worry, anxiety can choke out the word out of your life and heart. Man, this is serious. I'm going to say, this is serious stuff. Mm-mm-mm. Go back with me to 16 now. Matthew 16. Some good things are happening this morning. A bunch of folks are going to be aware in the future of the enemy's device and not let it work again. Hallelujah. Jesus is always thinking spiritually. He's always talking spiritually. And so they're in the boat riding along. He's not just doing idle stuff or carnal dumb stuff. He's communing with the Father. And these thoughts are coming to him from the Father. The Lord's giving him insight into the situations and the people that they're dealing with and the meetings that they're having. And he just turns to him and says, watch out. 
for the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Why did he say that? He saw something. He saw how that uh, this hypocrisy can infect other people. Just being around it can infect you and influence you. You don't realize it, but even though you might have thought when you first were around it, you thought, man, they're a big hypocrite. I, I despise that. But you hang around it too long, you catch yourself doing some of the same things they were doing. You just got leavened. <laughs> some of it crept over into you, right? So you take some, some dough that's rising and yeast and you put it with some that didn't have any in it. What's going to happen? It's going to get into that. It's going to infect the whole thing. Influence the whole thing. And uh, that's what he's saying. He said, he just turned around to his guys. He said, uh, beware of the leaven of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They looked at him, turned around among each other. You know, they must have had a pretty good sized little boat if they could have, you know, 13 people and all your stuff. This ain't a little aluminum fishing boat. This is something that'll accommodate everybody. And, uh, I know, you know, on one occasion, Jesus is in the back asleep and, and out of their way and they're doing stuff. But he said, Beware of the leaven of the Sadducees and Pharisees. Okay. They turn around and go, told you we should have brought some bread. <laughs> now Jesus is mad. Is Jesus mad? No. He ain't mad about it at all. <laughs> but then, can you see how the enemy works? Instead of it being so simple, he's trying to get strife started over nothing. Many would have be, already begun acting defensively. Well, he didn't tell us to bring any extra bread on this trip. And you never know, morning to night, where we're even going to be. <laughs> or what we're going to need. There's no set schedule. He's always talking about the Lord leads here, the Lord leads there. <laughs> and now he's chewing us out because we can read his mind and know we need to take extra bread. No, he ain't chewing them out. He's not mad. He's not even talking about bread. <laughs> but do you see how quickly people can get to say, that's unreasonable. He didn't tell us on this specific one to take extra bread. Or did he tell you? How are we supposed to read his mind? You can't work under conditions like these. <laughs> and Jesus is trying to share a pearl of wisdom with them. He's trying to give them something valuable. This is how the enemy works. Why? And see, there's something even worse in here. It's an implication that Jesus is not fair. He don't really care about you enough. He only cares about what he wants. We were busy. We were loading the boat. You know, we were doing this. We were doing. We were packing and unpacking and setting up and and tearing down. And and he wants me to run to the grocery store too. <laughs> do you know why I'm elaborating? Yes. This is what. Have you ever seen the enemy do this? Come on. Yes. <laughs> You've seen it. Because of a wrong mindset, you hear something completely different than what they're saying. And you didn't understand. Your understanding, Romans 1 says, understanding is darkened. I know, uh, oh, this would have been just about the time when we started the first church there in Branson. We had been through a couple of kind of rough years. And, and don't misunderstand me, not, not the Hagans. The Hagans treated us like gold. But there were some situations that came up 
I won't go into details, but some folks accused us of some things that we, you know, trying to take over a ministry or trying to, not, not the Hagens, but that was completely untrue, nothing. But it irritated us. And over a couple of years, without realizing it, that mentality is there. Well, that alters your hearing. Well, when uh, I got to, to Branson, we were doing some things. A minister, a wonderful man of God. I happened to cross him, and he's talking a little bit. He says, well, do you want to take over this radio station? And I'm like, no, man. I'm not trying to take over your radio station. He said, I didn't say you were. Would you like to take it? I'd like for you to take it. <laughs> Can you see this? He's trying to tell me something good. And he's glad to see me. And, and I'm hearing what my mind has been influenced. Come on, can you see this? Amen. Amen. Somebody else accusing me of trying to take something from somebody. No, I ain't trying to take you. Just like them going, didn't get any bread. <laughs> bread, bread. They got bread on the brain. He said nothing about no bread. And this guy, good man, wonderful man. He was just being sweet and kind to me. He was saying, I see you're expanding ministry. Maybe you'd like to do this. You want to talk about it? Inviting me. And I, I, I heard that he's accusing me. I'm trying to take something away from him. <laughs> I apologized profusely. And I realized how much I had let that stuff affect me. Which is bad. It's not good. Worry, anxiety. Come on, can you see this? Amen. Messes up your hearing. Yes, exactly. You get to where you don't hear right. In John 8, John 8, 43, he told them at one point, John 8, this chapter is, uh, you can sense frustration. The master is trying to talk to them. And they're throwing stuff at him. And he's explaining things to him. And they ain't getting it man. And finally he says. Why don't you understand. What I'm saying. Even because. You can't hear. My word. You can't hear. Anybody remember him saying. He that has ears to hear. Well see fear. Will cause your ear. To where it, be where it can't hear. Anxiety, pride, junk like that, it messes up your hearing. He's looking at them going, this is not complicated. I've already repeated this two or three times. If you read that eighth chapter, he tells them the same thing. He's quoting scripture to them. It's not complicated. It's simple. It's glorious, but it's simple. And they're just like the disciples. He's giving them a pearl and they're going, bread. He needs more bread. We didn't get the bread. I told you we should got. And you're going through this angst. And then you're looking at him going, well, you didn't say anything about bringing any bread today. Can you see this? And you're getting all this junk. And you're off. It is an erroneous assumption. Erroneous, the word means off. Way off. Were they off? Yes. Wrong, error, were they way off? He said, Jesus said, why, why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you, you can't hear it. He's looking at them and he's going, you didn't hear what I said, did you? They're educated. They got their doctorates. <laughs> they think they're so intelligent. He said, why don't you understand this? And he says, you didn't hear it, did you? It's not because he didn't say it right. 
There's nothing wrong with what he's telling them. Something wrong with their ears. So lack of understanding is not just an excuse for ignorance from now on. We need to ask ourselves, why don't I understand it? Why am I not getting this? It has to do with faith. Matthew 16, go back there please. Verse uh, 7, they reasoned among themselves, it's because we've taken no bread. Matthew 16, 8. This is going to come back to us in some situations. You're going to start getting riled up and twisted up and you're going to hear these words. We didn't bring any bread. (laughs) And that's going to be your key phrase. You're going to go, hold on now. Hold on, what'd they say? What's going on here? It's not that things are so hard to get, so hard to understand. The Lord makes it easy. How many believe the Holy Spirit is the master teacher? And a master teacher makes it where you can get it. I mean, he knows how you think. He uses the words, the phrases, the illustrations. If you need small words, he uses small words. Right? If you need pictures, he draws you some pictures. But then why can it seem so difficult to get it at times? Because of opposition. Because of the enemy. He's a dirty liar. And he's always trying to jump in there and mess it up and convolute it. And instead of being simple, make it all complicated when it's not. Oh, he said, uh, oh, ye of little faith. We're still talking about little faith. Why are you reasoning among yourselves because we brought no bread? And at this point, they're looking at him going, well, it's because we didn't bring any bread. You just brought up about us not having any bread. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. I've had people argue with me adamantly about what I said. That was completely different from what I said. I was teaching in healing school some years ago. This has been almost 30 years ago. And uh, a guy came up afterwards. Oh, he was livid. He was, he was angry. And he said, uh, that's not right. That's not right, what you said. I said, what? And he said it. And I said, no, I didn't say that. Yes, you did. I said, no, I said the opposite of that. No, I sat right there. I heard you. And man, he just wouldn't, he was pushy about it. I said, well, right back there, they have tapes. (laughs) Go get it. Listen to it. Well, I know that's what you said. Well, go get it. Listen to it. You're going to be back tomorrow. I'll come back. I'll tell you. I'll show you. So next day, you know, I didn't see him before the service. After the service, there he was. And I said, oh, hey, hey, what about it? He said, well, um, <laughs> you didn't exactly say that, but that's what you meant. <laughs> now, there's no need in us judging him. Reckon you've ever done some of that? <laughs> and you know the reason for it? Why? Lack of faith. Lack of faith. Because if you're in faith, you'd be in rest. Is that right? You'd be loving people. You'd be showing respect. Even if they did say the wrong thing. That's not going to cause the world to come to an end. Is that right? You're believing that God's going to help you. He's going to help them. You're going to be all right. Can you see this? But when you get into this tension and this fear and this anxiety and this anger, your ears get to where they don't hear right. They're saying one thing, you're hearing something else. And then some people, like they said, they will swear that that's what was said. How many think at this point these disciples think he talked to them about not bringing bread? They do. And these are good guys. Jesus handpicked them. But he's having to correct them right here. He said, oh, ye of little faith, why are you reasoning because you didn't take any bread? Do you not understand and don't remember about the five loaves and the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Neither the seven loaves or 4,000, how many baskets? Go to Mark 8. 
Let's read Mark's account of this same passage because he actually gives a lot of detail, some that you don't see in, uh, in Matthew. Mark 8, verse 14. This, if you start in verse 1, this is the miracle of the multiplication of the loaves and the fish. And then right after that, there was the boat trip and on the hills of this, that's where we are. This comes right after the multiplication of the loaves and fish. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. They what? <laughs> they forgot. How can you forget something if you never knew it? So they knew they were supposed to take some bread. But they what? They, you ever forgot something? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They forgot. And once they got in the ship and they get underway... They don't have with them more than one loaf. One loaf for 13 people. And who knows, a couple of meals or three. Okay. 15. And Jesus charged them. He turns around in the boat and he says, watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Watch out for that. And they reasoned among themselves. And they said, it's because we don't have any bread. I told you. I forgot. Well, why didn't you bring some? I forgot too. Jesus is mad. No, he ain't mad. He's upset. He's disappointed in us. No, he ain't. He's not even talking about that. And Jesus knew it. He said to them, why reason ye? Because you have no bread. Perceive ye not yet. Neither understand. Have you your heart yet hardened? The hardening of the heart. Dulls and distorts the ears. When Jesus says. He that has ears to hear. Let him hear. What makes a hearing ear? It's a willing heart. Come on. Can you see that? A believing heart. A willing heart, a good heart, makes a good ear. But when you start having problems in your heart, your hearing goes. <laughs> and they say one thing, and you heard something else. You're reacting to something. And of course, it's the enemy helping you to be confused. Why reason you? Because you have no bread. Perceive you not yet, neither understand. Have you your heart yet hardened? Verse 18. Having eyes... Don't you see? Having ears, don't you hear? Don't you remember? Remember, boys. I mean, this hadn't happened that long ago. You remember when we broke the five loaves among 5,000? Is Jesus really going to be this upset because we didn't have a big load of bread? When we just saw thousands of people get fed with the little boy's lunch. We've seen it happen more than once. Two or three times, we don't know how many. Why couldn't it happen again if you needed it to? He said, you remember? Boys, come on. How many baskets full of fragments did you take up? You're the ones picked them up. They said, 12. He said, and then the seven among 4,000. How many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said, seven. He says, how is it that you're not getting this? How is it that you don't understand? No. Whatever's going on in the heart affects our ability to understand. You'll especially see this when people get heated with each other. They get mad and they're arguing. Husbands and wives see this kind of thing. And you get to the place where you are not hearing what they're saying. And that's frustrating for them. And you come on, y'all with me? They said it so clear and plain. It should have been something that stopped the, the problem, but they didn't hear it. They're hearing something else. They're seeing something else. The harder your heart gets, the worse your hearing gets. You're hearing stuff nobody said. You're imagining things people did that nobody did. I don't want to live that way. How about you? Yeah. 
I don't want to be that easily deceived by the enemy. Keep your heart right and years here. Sometimes people don't even say stuff the way they meant it. But if your heart's right, the Holy Spirit can help you hear their heart. Eliminate so many problems. Phyllis and I have had this many times. We didn't say it exactly right. And then, but it worked out right. It was done right. I know what, I knew what you meant. I knew that's what you'd have wanted. I knew this. Thank you, Lord. Not only do you avoid problems, but you begin to function supernaturally. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, spared problems, supernaturally being able to get into things you couldn't have got in otherwise. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. That's that's the life for me. Is that, is that the way you want to live? Yes. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Go with me in closing, I think. Thank you, Father. To Luke, the 10th chapter. I believe this is enough to chew on for a bit. In Luke 10... I know most of you know this account and story, but I believe you'll see things in it now that you didn't see before. In Luke 10, towards the end of the chapter here, verse 38, it came to pass as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. (laughs) I already hear lights going off. She had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and did what? What what was she doing? Heard his word. What's her focus? Hearing what he's saying. Not trying to read his mind. Not trying to anticipate what he may say in a bit. Not assuming what he wants. What? Listening. Hearing what he's actually saying. Verse 40. But, but, what's Martha doing? In contrast to hearing the word, she's cumbered about with a lot of serving. And we know from the rest of the story, she's getting irritated. By the minute, she's got, you know, the dumplings on. She's got the bread in the oven. She's, you know, dicing the cucumbers. And they got a room full of people. They got a house full of people. And her lazy sister (laughs) is sitting in there. Not lifting a hand to help her. And no doubt she'd come to the door that in the kitchen more than once trying to get her attention. Oh, you know, you know you should be looking at me. She ain't even looking over here. She goes back in. And she's sweating and she's doing this. And she goes back in. Now, come on, tell me what's happening in here. Jesus is speaking. He's ministering. And she wants to interrupt it. Hey, Mary, you know you hear me. You know. (laughs) And finally, she can't take it anymore. She interrupts. The ministry. She interrupts what the master's saying and doing. What's Mary doing? Hearing the word. Hearing, she's hearing. And from all implications, what we've saw today, she's understanding too. She's getting it too. What the master is actually saying. What's Mary doing? She's not hearing what he's saying. She has assumed what he said. You'll see that more in just a minute. She came in, finally. She said, I'm sorry, excuse me, excuse me. 
Jesus is right in the middle. How many think it was good? What he was saying and doing. So everybody has to stop. And turn around. And look at Martha. She said. Excuse me. Lord. Do you not care? Accusations. Lord don't you care? That my. Lazy sister, I'm paraphrasing, has left me to serve alone. Bid her, tell her to get herself up and come in here and help me. Why? She has assumed that's what the Lord wants. As much as if he had said it. But he didn't say it. Well, I know. She's a good woman. Don't misunderstand me. From all accounts, Martha's a good woman. And probably a real good cook. Jesus came over there a lot. And he enjoyed their hospitality. He enjoyed her cooking. But just because you have done something doesn't mean that's going to be the same every time. And so she assumed. And so she's with all these preparations. Pride assumes. Humility asks, did Jesus tell her to make provisions and, and, and do all this cooking and food? If he had her, you wouldn't see this next response. He didn't tell her to do this. What's he doing? He's ministering the word. Well, you might assume if he's ministering the word, he wants somebody to hear it. Which is what Mary's doing. She's not trying to assume what he wants done. She's with him what he's doing. Tell her to get up here and help me. Verse 41. Jesus answered and said to her. Martha, Martha. And when the Lord calls your name twice like that. Just go ahead and start kneeling down. And repenting because you've messed up. Martha, Martha. Now what messes up your hearing? You are full of care. And you are troubled. About many things. When the Lord didn't tell you to do it. There's no grace on you to do it. Can you see this? You're in your own efforts. You're in your own strength. And it's wearing you out. And it's irritating you. And misery loves company. She wants her sister to be in there. Just as weary and troubled as she is. But Mary ain't participating. With the trouble and worry. You're full of care. You're troubled about many things. Keep going. One thing. Somebody say simple. 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 He said if your eye is single. Luke said if it's simple. Your whole body. Your whole being will be full of light. One thing. Is needful. She should have asked. Shouldn't she? She shouldn't have assumed. She should have, before she started all this stuff, before she sent people to the grocery store, before she fired up the wood stove, before she did any of this, she should have come to him and said, Jesus, you want me to get things ready to eat? And we've got people to feed here. You want me to, you want me to? And, and obviously from this, he would have told her, no, not today. You just come on in here and sit down with us. Who knows? They might have had a multiplication of loaves and fishes here. Right? It happened more than once. No, you come on in here. But instead of doing that, she's assuming. You can see it when she goes in there. Tell her to get up and come help. She assumes he's going to think the same way. He's going to say, yeah, Mary, what are you doing? Get Get in there. But he didn't. Her thinking is wrong. Full of care. Mary has chosen that good part. It's not going to be taken away from her. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stop assuming. Let's stop presuming. Let's stop worrying. Let's stop fearing. Let's stop being anxious. And man, when we do, our hearing's going to clear up. Thank you, Lord. And we're going to hear what's actually being said. 
We're going to understand what's actually going on, and it's going to save us so much problems and trouble. Can you say amen? Stand up on your feet, please. Thank you, Master. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.